Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. He didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to another edition of Drafting the Circus. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we discuss everything racing. Allow me to introduce you to my great panel I have assembled tonight. Mr. Gray Warren, as always, is with me. Gray, how are you? I'm doing fine. How about everybody else? Hope everybody's doing well. Indeed, indeed. Joey Barnes is with us. Joey, how are you? Busy as always, Frank. Busy as always. Happy uh, to be on, though. Yeah, I know. I've been reading some of your stuff. We'll, we'll get into that a little later, man. It looks like you've had a very busy couple of weeks, so I'm really dying to hear about it, too. So, um, Seth Eggert in the studio with us as well. Seth, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Happy to be here. All right. Happy to have you here, sir. And Christopher DeHarty, last but not least, how are you today? Can't complain. Woke up this morning, after all. <laughs> Other people can complain about that. 
But uh, speaking of waking up this morning, yeah, I was awakened early this morning with my phone blowing up uh, with this major racing announcement um, that's, uh, that's happened, transpired earlier today that has set the racing world on fire. Um, and you all know what I'm talking about. But, uh, Joey, um, you and Chris and I were all at Indy last year. Um, at the 100-3500, we had a sellout crowd. We had a... a a pretty amazing event, um, you know, uh, the first time winner. A lot of attention paid to the race, um, and just and I remember thinking, you know, how are they going to continue this momentum? How are they going to follow this act? How are they going to keep international attention on this race? Well, how else but to get Fernando Alonso um, in the car for the 500 uh, in the middle of uh, an active fourth season? Uh, he's actually going to step away, miss the Monaco Grand Prix. He'll be in a sixth Andretti car, uh, badged and branded as a McLaren with a Honda engine. Um, Fernando Alonso, two-time Formula One world champion in the Indy 500. Um, when I first read the story, I said, well, this is some kind of joke, and it's it's way past April Fool's. And I, I know a, a lot of you felt the same way when you read it, read that uh, early until uh, it was just popping up everywhere. Um Obviously, some folks knew, but they did a great job keeping it a secret. But uh, honestly, I read that. I said, man, that is amazing. Um, I am speechless, really, um, what this is going to do for the Indy 500 and for the sport. Um, you know, and, and for Alonzo, um, it's, it's pretty incredible. Joey, what are your thoughts? I mean, first off, yeah, I woke up thinking it was an April Fool's joke. Um, and I, I had a chance to talk to a lot of the drivers today at the uh, Texas Motor Speedway Open Test. Uh, they were out there testing the, testing the new aero and uh, tires on, on the new reconfigurated track. And uh, of all the days, it was today that that happened. And everybody was like, is, is this real? And then more and more stuff started to come out. More and more uh, credible outlets started to talk about it. And, and the April Fool's joke turned into reality. So it wasn't one of those legendary April Fool's articles that you uh, you have brilliantly come up with over the last few years. It is, in fact, real. And it is, for all intents and purposes, our greatest dream. As, as race enthusiasts, we, we've been begging for a crossover of, of an elite caliber um you know all due respect to kurt bush who is a really great talent in his own right and i think kurt bush can win in, in anything but we get somebody from formula one taking that step like they did back in the day and in fernando alonso arguably the greatest driver in the world or at least the greatest driver this generation is has seen uh next to Ayrton senna and he's he's gonna attempt the indy 500 night if there's gonna be a year to do it now's the time given how Poor that equipment is at McLaren, and you know, there there it started off as a joke between Zach Brown and Fernando Alonso, and the joke started to to snowball, and here we are. He slept on it for a day, for a night. Whenever the opportunity arose, Mark Miles going with Mark Michael Andretti and trying to culminate this, and Fernando Alonso realized that this could be something, and he wants to pursue the Triple Crown. This is the second leg of that Triple Crown, Monaco the Indy 500 and the 24-hour Le Mans. And uh, I think in due time, we'll see him pursue Le Mans. Uh, I mean, he's up there in his mid-30s, and, and people have already been talking about him going and leaving F1 in the next year, maybe even at the end of this year, and pursuing that opportunity. So I, I love it. I, I, I think it's kind of funny and humorous that of all the teams that he's on, it's with one that he he's, he's battled – Alexander Rossi for about five races in 2015 when Rossi was the only American to get a chance to return to F1. And I remember that classic duel they had at Coda. 
And then he gets the team with Takuma Sato, who uh, we all know raced in, in F1 for a number of years with Super Aguri and, Toy- and, and in Honda and all that stuff. And, um, you know, it, I think it's fascinating, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of drivers know that he's going to have a lot of issues learning how to, to fight in traffic because in F1, you don't really get a chance to pass very often, as they say. Like, this is uh, where you qualify is almost where you finish. There's those rare races where we see some some 15th to, to 5th kind of races, but uh, those are usually strategy-based. It's not hard-fought all the way up through the field. And he's going to be fighting 32 other competitors at uh, on May 28th. And he's with the right team. Uh, obviously, a rookie won it last year who had a lot of F1 and European single-seater experience. And talking to, to Alex Rossi today, I said, you know, are, are you – You've got to be excited that he's over here, but surely you, you're wanting to kind of state claim that, hey, you know, this is my new home now, and you're not going to come over here and, and kick us around. And he said, no, that's actually not it at all. They're looking to just continue to work as a team, to continue to grow as a team, and they're going to do everything they can to make sure that, that the top six spots are going to be all Andretti Autosport cars. So um, I, I think he's got a great chance. Uh, he's in the right situation, and I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think absolutely Andretti Autosport is the best place for him to land because, number one, you're looking at a team uh, that fosters an environment where they all share information. Uh, and they've done that as long as uh, uh, since Michael bought into the team. Um, and, as long as that, and, and I think – and Yeah, and again, we're talking this is a team with four Indy 500 wins to their credit as well. So, so uh, you know, well, amazing and, place to land. Go ahead, Joey. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to get this in there. Is um, I think one important thing to note is that – you know, you had alluded to McLaren being involved in, in uh, with Alonzo, and this is going to be a papaya orange livery. It's going to have that that badge, uh, the McLaren badge, so to speak. Um, I'm wondering, Devil's Advocate, if maybe this is something that might not be a precursor to the future. And I don't mean with Alonzo, but I mean with McLaren being maybe a third manufacturer for IndyCar in the coming years. Um, I only say that because they used to be involved in IndyCar, um, their last winner was Johnny Rutherford, who competed for them in the Indy 500. He won two of his three 500s with them. And, um, you know, I actually, he was at the track today, and I had a chance to talk to him. And he said, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if McLaren gets interested again to come over. And by manufacturer standards, he means this next part, it's not inexpensive and it's not easy. So that makes it exciting to see what, what does develop and what can happen. So um, I think... There again, that would be exciting to get a third manufacturer in IndyCar. And, and as I was alluding to or said earlier, I, I really think that this could be maybe a precursor to seeing McLaren dip their toes into IndyCar. Yeah, that would certainly be interesting to see. Now, I want to open up to the rest of the panel. Uh, Gray or Chris, do you want to guys want to jump in on uh, what your thoughts are on Alonzo coming over the pond? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a, ter- a terrific news. I think it's another shot in the arm for uh for IndyCar, and obviously, you know, we the Indy 500, you know, uh, coming off last year's success for the for the 100th race, I think this really ramps up interest for the 101st. And uh, you know, I think uh, you know it, several things are in play, like you've alluded to. I think this might be a precursor for, like you said, for uh, for McLaren possibly uh, getting back in, uh, in in IndyCar, and also for for you know. I think it's some things that uh, uh, Alonzo wants to do, too. You mentioned the uh, Triple Crown. Uh, I think what uh, the only person to do that is Graham Hill. Is, am I correct there? Is that right? Graham I, Hill? 
Graham Hill won the Indy 500, won at Monaco, and and did win at uh, the 24 Hours Le Mans. Yeah, that is that's correct. Right. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you know that's 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 rarefied air there to uh, to uh, to achieve that. And uh, of course, I mean, you know, he's he's getting a little. I'm gonna say he, he he's he's long in the tooth when you compare him to other Formula One drivers. So I'm think he's probably you know positioned himself for for some other things. And you know we've we've speculated on this very show that you know possibly if things don't work out in Formula One, would Alonso come over and and, and make a run at uh, at uh, the the IndyCar series? Uh, you know he said it best I think in the tweet I I, I saw today that uh, that he put out. He says simply. You know he's a racer, and that's what he does. Now, Chris, Christopher DeHarty, you've got some thoughts. You know, you've been sitting quietly in the wings, so <laughs> now's now's your time, young man. What you well, got? One one thing we got to we have to remember in this whole deal is that this deal doesn't come together unless Stefan Wilson steps aside because he supposedly had a deal set up to run an Andretti car in this year's Indy 500, and he voluntarily stepped aside so that Alonso could drive in the 500. Now. His generosity is going to be paid back to IndyCar because what he did was a very selfless thing in terms of, you know, how much the sport could benefit from it. And Stephen Wilson should absolutely be commended for what he did to get Fernando Alonso at the Indianapolis 500. Not only that, theoretically, Alonso could actually run Le Mans this year because there is no date conflict between F1 and Le Mans. So... Could it happen? I'm not saying it could. I mean, but who knows at this point? It will be 50 years since A.J. Foyt won Indy and Le Mans in the same year, so why not at this point? Um, the other thing is some people are worried about, you know, oh, this will be Alonzo's first ever oval race, you know, how will he get up to speed, etc. There's supposedly going to be an Alonzo-only test the day before, uh, or before all of rookie orientation so that he can get acclimated to this because he had never uh, – raced on an oval before to my knowledge uh, unless there was a karting deal that he did another thing we have to remember is that nigel mansell's first ever oval race was at the indianapolis motor speedway he skipped the phoenix indycar race that year because he had a test uh a crash in testing that injured him enough where he had to set out that race so if alonzo can if mansell can do it so can alonzo Right. I mean, Formula One has a long history of guys that have come over and kind of excelled at the Speedway. Uh, you know, going all the way back to guys like uh, Jim, Jackie Stewart, um, Graham Hill, certainly Emerson Fittipaldi. Uh, you know, they all kind of uh, took very well to the Speedway. Um, well, and I think overall what you got to look at this is, uh, I mean, let's be honest about this. Talent, is, talent translates across all levels of racing. If you're talented enough, you're going to be able to do everything that you need to do to become the greatest driver in the world. And and I think overall, when you get a chance to look at this, we've called Fernando Alonso one of the greatest of all time over the last decade. And I think, you know, let's be honest, he's not been racing in the most competitive uh, form of motorsports in the world uh, over the last several years. That belongs to IndyCar, where, you know, first to last is, is defined with that kind of each other. And a tenth away from, from the leader puts you 16th, and it doesn't put you right there next to him. So he wanted the most competition. He's got it. And um, and we're about to seriously find out if he is, in fact, uh, the GOAT. And, um, you know, one way or another, he'll be the GOAT, greatest of all time, or he'll be the GOAT, and we all know what that other one is, and it's not so good. 
Well, you know, and I think, too, Indianapolis 500, the format lends itself to uh, to a driver with a little bit of experience, not that much oval track experience coming in because of the, of the amount of practice time that they get throughout the month of May. Now, granted, it's not as much as it used to be, but it's still a considerable amount of practice time that's, that, that goes on during the, the, the 10 to 14 days prior to the race. So he'll have plenty of seat time in that car and be able to turn plenty of laps provided he doesn't have, you know, they don't have any, any other issues. And I go back to, to the Bush uh, uh, deal of a couple of years ago. Uh, Kirk, you know, uh, ran, runs ovals in, in, in the cup cars. We all know that. But he, he never run an Indy car. And I think he, he uh, with the experience he got in, in, in going up there, he did a really good job. I mean, I think he, what, he was rookie of the race and then and drove that car home to a sixth place finish. So no doubt Alonzo will will do fine there. I, I don't think there'll be any issue. You know, he'll get acclimated. You know, in the draft and running in close quarters, and he and he'll be fine. Yeah, I think that you know Chris alluded to uh, Michael Michael Shank Racing or, or what have you, or Stefan Wilson taking a step back uh, to make sure this could happen. I think that if it doesn't happen for for that ride, the sixth Andretti entry. I honestly think that there's a possibility that this, is, this becomes a Ganassi situation. I mean, for a long time, there was rumor that Alonzo talked about Indy and Ganassi, and that was earlier in the year, and um, I think a little bit at the tail end of last year. So I, I think that no matter what, this situation would have come together. I am happy that uh, essentially it's with two former F1 guys that can kind of help maybe lessen that learning curve and we're going to get hopefully the best Alonzo that we could possibly have gotten for his debut. Uh, that's going to be absolutely the word of the day is mega. And that's exactly what this is. But um, aside from Alonzo, I know we're not going to get too deep into this because of all the other things we got to get to, but to kind of bring everybody up to speed, um, we've got a couple of new entries outside of Alonzo that are going to go to the Indy 500. And that includes uh, Jack Harvey that Chris alluded to earlier, he's going to be in the fifth. Uh, technically, I guess, Andretti Autosport are now. It's going to be labeled Michael Shank. I'm not too sure how that partnership's going to be. but um, And beyond him, Zach Veach, uh, winner of a few races over in Indy Lights last year, third-place finisher in the championship. He finally gets that nod. Uh, he's going to be running AJ Foyt Racing Car for the 500. And Gabby Chavez, uh, we all knew him as a really good standout a few years back with Brian Hurd Autosport. Uh, before the merger with Andretti and all that stuff. and uh, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. He's going to get a nod with uh, Harding Racing, and uh, they actually had a chance to talk to Gabby today. They've been working on their car for quite a while, uh, since January. This is a deal that's been put together since January, and uh, it's been kept 
relatively under wraps and um, actually pretty good under wraps for it to be three months and finally announced the, the plans. But they were at Texas Motor Speedway today shaking down the car. They were trying to get the cobwebs knocked out now so they don't have to do them the first day of Indy. So uh, those are some, some other ones. So uh, yeah. we've got and, four, four and, new entries for the 500. And my understanding is that uh, the Chavez, um, the Harding, Larry Curry on board, who's a veteran yeah. of many, many 500s, uh, Larry Curry yeah, he, as the crew chief. So, uh, you know, he definitely knows what he's doing there. Good opportunity for Gabby there. Do we do we know how many of official entries we have? Uh, I, right now we're right I counted 32. 31 or 32, depending on okay. whether or not Yukos um, has one or two cars. And, and again, and Lazier. And Lazier, so. I, you know, I, I don't know that Buddy's uh, coming over this year or not. So, so we could, they're, on, they're on the list. Are they? We could conceivably have some bump day drama again this year. We maybe. sure, we I sure think so. could. There's, yeah. there's, there's a couple other really good names out there that we're used to seeing. Um, you're talking uh, guys like uh, Tagliani. Uh, we generally see. Uh, I believe Townsend Bell said he's not going to attempt Indy this year. Um, but uh, I, I don't know if the right thing come along. Uh, he may change his mind. So um, I will, we'll certainly have the um, 33 cars, maybe 34. So now, uh, Chris, you have a trivia question? Yes, I do. So, Alonzo is going to be running the full F1 season except for Monaco this year. Who was the last F1 driver that ran the majority of the F1 season and ran the Indy 500 in the same year? Graham Hill? Nigel Mansell? Negative no. on both. No, no, Jackie no, no, Stewart? Who? Nope. Tail Fabi, 1984. It's one guy that, uh, one thing that I think we ought to remember is that um, if McLaren doesn't have Honda, I don't think this happens. Oh no, not because, at all. But um, another oh. thing. I mean, think. I mean, think about it though. They're running like crap, and I th- if I'm a betting man, I'm sure that part of the way this deal went, and this is just hypothetical. I don't know any of this, but if I'm a betting man, I'm imagining Alonzo says, "You know what? I I don't really like how we're running, and I I could sit here and just drop everything right now and still be happy and content with my career. If you want to keep me around, let's let's make a deal." And I could very easily have seen that be part of the terms is, is letting him to kind of go off and do these things um, to, to build his legacy. That way he's not just being drowned out with, with how bad the, the McLaren machine is over there in, in Europe. Yeah, quite possibly. I thought about that. I thought about that, that, uh, that twist on it as well. And then the word, the word we're hearing is that it's going to quite possibly be, uh, Jensen Button in the car at Monaco. Um, I, I would know. imagine his was the hot phone that rang, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'll say. But uh, I don't know if that's made official yet or not, but that's that's kind of the hot talk is that it'll be Button, who's still under contract for McLaren to sit in his living room for a year. Well, I mean, I mean, Giovinazzi now is sitting back on the sidelines because Wehrlein's finally rested up. So, right, I mean, they could right. always call Ferrari for him. Just saying. Yeah, so they, got, they, got, they got months to figure <laughs> that out, right? So. <laughs> they they can call they can call me I'll go run Monaco. So. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, I think suffice to say we're all blown away by the news. Um, but the Seth, you're waiting in the wings there. Um, you have any comments on this, or, or you want to you, you want to get right into talking NASCAR? Well, I do have two comments on this. One, first off, I want to know what you guys think. What driver down the road do you see doing this again would it be alonzo doing it again or if he's still in an f1 at that point 
Or do you see maybe Lewis Hamilton doing this later in his career or Max Verstappen or somebody else? I, I think as long as the calendar conflict with Monaco exists, you won't see anybody do it that's a serious contender. I'm surprised that Alonso was doing it, but I can also see why. But I, as long as the calendar conflict exists, I don't think you'll see anybody else attempted that's, uh, that's running a full season. Yeah, I mean, I, I first off, I slightly disagree. Um, there is a lot of sponsorship and manufacture and a lot of obligations behind the scenes that we just don't know about, and a lot of contractual issues that and penalties that could happen if, if they don't follow through with, with what their deals are. That said, there's a lot of people that um, th- there's a lot of people that have been yearning for for this to translate back into motorsports for several years now, and I feel like the drivers are no different. And could Hamilton and other drivers get involved? Yeah, I, I think this is essentially a trendsetter for years to come. And I think guys like Kimi Raikkonen, who's kind of on their last legs in F1, um, could could come over. Uh, I know there's talk of him doing some more NASCAR stuff. Lewis Hamilton and guys like that, uh, I very much think so. The health of motorsports definitely needs that crossover, and I think Alonso is transcendent for that very reason. So I'm hopeful. Um that that's the case, and I hope he really does well. I would really love it if we could run Monaco the weekend before. Uh, hopefully, maybe Liberty Media takes a look at that, but run it the weekend before the Indy 500 and have some of these F1 guys and teams maybe get kind of involved and purchase a tub from Delara and go crazy. Uh, it, it'd be nuts, but it, it's certainly worth a look. I wasn't sure that was going to happen because, if I remember right, the way that the F1 calendar was always structured is that Monaco was almost always, I think, six weeks after Easter Sunday. Then again, I could be wrong. That might have changed over the last few years, but that would be the first thing that would have to change on the calendar. Yeah. You know, and it it kind of returns us to the golden age of motorsports when we had, you know, guys from all disciplines – crossing over and doing different things and it creates a ton of fan interest i mean you know when you've got drivers crossing over you're going to have fans doing the same and to your point uh ganassi i think uh there was an article out this week where uh ganassi was uh receptive to maybe having uh kyle larson attempt uh, a double uh at the indy 500 uh in years to come so i mean that 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 throws a another nascar angle at it too I tell you, let me let me t- let me piggyback off that for a second. Sorry, Seth. Um, but one thing I wanted to, to make clear here is, you know, it's it's essentially something that NASCAR is missing the boat on, and I'm I'm kind of upset about it to be honest with you because we get a chance to see the best that F1 has to offer right now. I mean, we're not going to get Vettel or, or Hamilton because they're right now in the thick of a championship battle. We know that we've got Elio Castroneves and Will Power and Simon Paz, you know, and a lot of guys who kind of got snubbed for F1 opportunities. Uh, maybe they got test sessions or what have you. Some of them did, some of them didn't, but they've gotten snubbed. Now we get an F1 driver to come over here. We saw a NASCAR driver fair a couple years back. Well, let's get a NASCAR guy to throw their cap in and, and let's make something happen. Let's get all three in one race. This would, I mean, it's already going to be the most watched race this year, the 101st Indy 500, not just because it's the Indy 500, but also when you consider the fact that now worldwide everybody has a reason to want to watch more so than ever before with Alonzo. You factor in the, the American interest by bringing in a NASCAR guy like Kyle Larson or Kurt Busch, let Kurt Busch chase Daytona and Indy in the same season. I mean, yeah. hell, this is everything that you want in motorsports. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it, and it needs to be. I think, you know, the only thing that's 
getting in the way is, is money, you know, but essentially that's, that's the only thing that's, that's in the way. So yeah, I, I'm with you a hundred percent. I think it'd be tremendous. Oh, certainly would now. Seth, you've got one more NASCAR angle. Yes. If, if we had an F1 or an IndyCar driver come over to NASCAR, it doesn't have to be Charlotte. What track do you think would best suit them? Would it be a road course, a short track, an intermediate? If you had an F1 driver, a Formula 1 driver, or an IndyCar driver come over and run a stock car in NASCAR, which track do you think would suit them best? Uh, Road America, I think, or or Montreal. Watkins Glen, even, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think, honestly, and we've had this discussion before, but I was, uh, um, I think Dario Franchitti explained it best. He said it, it, the open-wheel guys that are used to, that have, you know, grown up uh, driving open-wheel cars that are lighter, higher horsepower, um, have better brakes than the heavy stock cars, um, tend to take a little longer to get up to speed in a stock car. Uh, they tend to overdrive the car because they're used to, uh, a car that has much farther mechanical limbs than the stock car does, so they tend to overdrive the stock car. Whereas conversely, you take a guy out of a stock car and put him in an Indy Indy car that's got more horsepower, um, you know, wider tires, better brakes, um, and a quicker response, and and they're able to drive within the limits of the car and kind of get up to speed quicker. Uh, that's for for what that's worth. Um, that's, yeah, but, uh, those, but are, those are Frank Keaty's comments. But I really sure. feel like uh, for one of these guys to kind of, you said, what track would suit him best? It would definitely be a road course right now. In the beginning, I think. In but, the beginning, but like, yeah. Yeah, but like we talked about, you know, talent, talent, true talent is going to transcend the discipline. I think ultimately, and, and and the guys will will prevail. I mean, Juan Pablo. I mean, he, you know. He, he he was able to master it. He he won. You know he picked up he picked up his win. You know at uh, at Sonoma and, and whatnot. So I th- and he and he he you know he uh, he did a, he did a fair job in 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 the in the cars. So he almost know, won Indy twice. Yeah, sure he should. Well, almost. he should have won. I think he got one robbed from him. Honestly, I do. But you know that that's that's another story. But uh, yeah, I mean he did well in the cars. He did he did fine. So I think, like I said, true talent is going to. Is gonna is gonna shine through. So, well, uh, piggybacking off of the F1 news slash IndyCar news, um, NASCAR's decided to kind of go in an F1 direction, and I'm not entirely sure I'm a fan of this. Uh, now we have option and prime tires are green and yellow tire. I don't know what the hell it is it, for it, the All Star race. It's a soft optional tire that they can use. If they use it, they have to start at the rear of the field with whether it's the last segment with just 10 cars or one of the beginning segments that still has all, I want to say 19 that are eligible as of right now. We saw them copy F1's qualifying style and now they're copying the tires, but I don't know if this is smart to put option tires out there for, well, they only get one set. I still, I, that's, you don't well, play with tires on ovals. I don't. I don't like it. I well, don't agree with it. It's you know we're not we're not t- talking about the durability of the tire. We're not going to have that. And, and you know, for, for you guys that don't remember, way back when I'm I'm a I'm a veteran, long time veteran. I remember when we had uh, 
I go back to the days when we had two tire manufacturers. And I'm not talking about Hoosier. I'm talking about yep. when Firestone was involved. Firestone and Goodyear was involved in it. And there were there were tires. And they used to go and, you know, would use the gum. What they, they had one set that was called gumballs they could use and make, make you know, uh, charges with a few laps to go and, and, and things like that and make late race charges. And they would throw on the other tires but that's way back in the old days go go going back into the back into the 60s i don't think they'll 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 do it'll get like a tire war situation like when hoosier was in years ago and they had the problem with guys uh when the tire companies were sacrificing durability for for time these tires are only gonna gonna only gonna offer up probably three to four tenths of a second a lap for a very short period of time before they before they even out and and basically, I think they're just going to introduce it for this All Star race because again, the All Star race is about fun and about putting on the show for the fans. And, and I don't think I think this will basically that's what they're going to do. And and you're just going to have it. It essentially be like inverting the field. You, you know, you'd have the faster cars at the back and trying to get through, getting through traffic and just creating uh, creating a little bit of pass passing and and you know in in NASCAR's way of creating havoc. Yeah, but this is a this is a test session though, essentially, because there's there's been a lot of talk that this is something that they might entertain in 2018. Yeah, not 2019. Yeah, they're looking at it, but I mean, I think I think that with the tire companies, with Goodyear being at it, I think they can go with go into a certain situation where they can come come up with a tire, much like uh, Pirelli does in uh, in Formula One. Where that you know where you have this what well, they got three you got three tires in Formula One the, the the soft the super soft and the and the prime tire whatever they call it I don't think we'll have that big a problem and of course like I said they'll play with it a little bit more before they do it I don't think we'll see a complete uh, you know uh, uh, disintegration of the tire or anything if when they when they go to it but I think it'll give them a tire that will give them a give them a burst of speed you know for for a short period of time. Uh, where they can use it strategically, much like you do in in in, uh, in IndyCar and, and Formula One. Both of them have a, have another tire, and I think it's something that you know NASCAR being you know wanting to look at to uh, you know we're constantly NASCAR's constantly being criticized for this, that, and the other. But one thing you can't criticize them for is is not trying things, and and obviously they're doing that. I mean, you got to do something a little different with the All Star Race because it's the All Star Race is a bunch of stages. Now we've got stages every week, so yeah. I mean, I, I get I get yeah, the I idea behind different. it. If, if you ask so. me, I think Goodyear has taken enough knocks for uh, for crap tires here and there and and tire problems that you know goofing around and experimenting doing doing more crazy stuff with tires is maybe not the right way to go. But then again, what do I know? So, but anyway, let's let's talk about. The repaved Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, Joey, you were there today testing Indy cars. Um, Seth Gray, Seth and Gray, we had a NASCAR there this weekend. Um, uh, I didn't get a chance to watch most of the race. I caught the end. I didn't even recognize the winner, some guy with a long salt and pepper beard. Not sure who that was, but uh, who, was, who, wants to, who wants to take it first, Seth or Gray? Well, we you know, we talked about it last week, and we talked about, you know, what the, the NASCAR guys were going in kind of cold turkey. There hadn't been a test session prior to going going there. They revamped uh, turns one and two, and they repaved the track. But I'll give Texas Motor Speedway credit for all the things that the extra things they tried to do. Uh, they were out there rolling in, uh, trying to roll in rubber uh, at night 
with that tire monster device they came up with trying to widen the groove out because the first day of practice was a little bit of treacherous. We saw a few little incidents uh, because there was the, for the lack of rubber that was on the track. But once they got, uh, you know, because down in the groove that they had a lot of grip. But once you got out of that groove, even got if you got four tires out of the groove, you were gonna you were going for a ride. But uh, they constantly worked on the track throughout the weekend, and I think as a you know after the uh, Xfinity race on saturday and then the uh the cup race later late in that race actually that second groove came in and we saw some uh saw some uh some two and three wide racing uh in the latter part of that race but there again like we talked about last week we talked about the veterans coming through and and when they when they go to a new situation we saw guys like uh you know jimmy johnson we we spoke of him last week uh coming to the forefront and uh and, and, you know, stealing the race there, uh, which after he started, he start, spun and qualifying, had to start in the rear. But, uh, you know, that team, uh, with their experience and Jimmy's experience, you know, patiently worked their way through the field and uh, was able to come away with the win. Uh, good run for the 21 team and Ryan Blaney. They, they had, to me, the best car there uh, all weekend overall. They won the first two stages. And be it for a uh, pit road uh, gaff by by Ryan there uh, overshooting his pit, having it, to back it, up. There was a lot of problems in that stop. Yep. And uh, anyway, relegated him further back in the field where he couldn't make a charge. But you know, when we talk about Ferrari winning in Formula One and how that's good for Formula One, when the twenty one runs good and gets back to where it's competitive it's good for nascar it's good for the for the fans longtime fans of nascar that remember the heritage of that the wood brothers and the 21 car so that's something good to look forward to but uh, i thought it was an entertaining race uh throughout and and again i can't give uh can't give enough credit to the guys at texas motor speedway for all they did to try to you know try to do what they could to to make it a decent race and also, you have to give credit to Texas Motor Speedway because after the NASCAR Xfinity Series race, they brought out the Tire Dragon and the Tire Monster, and they put rubber down on the track. I want to say they spent between 8 and 12 hours running those to try to make a... They weren't necessarily trying to make a second groove. They were just trying to, to make widen it, less, it. Yes, yes. To widen. And they did it. They ran it at night. Uh, they ran ran the thing at night, uh, trying trying to to widen that groove. Which you know that's uh that's you know you know hats it off worked. to them. Yeah, it did. It worked out better than a, a lot of teams, crew chiefs, drivers were expecting. Yeah, and the dri- and the drivers generally had you know made good comments after after the race uh, about their efforts. So yeah, uh, very very positive thing they did. And speaking of the drivers, Jimmy Johnson, after he won, needed three bags of IV fluid because uh, all the Hendrick cars seemed to have some sort of problem with their air conditioning. Either it was sucking air in or it was blowing hot air or it was sucking air out. And Jimmy Johnson, his uh, water bottle malfunctioned. Yeah, I, I I saw where he he was taken to the infield care center uh, immediately following the right victory lane ceremony. He was carried for some treatment there. Uh, it was a warm day in Texas, and 
you know, these cars now, they're working with, with so many aerodynamic things that they're, uh, there's a lot of lot more heat kept into the car. The cars run so low to the ground. There's a lot of heat running, uh, staying in close proximity underneath the car, which raises the temperature inside the cockpit uh, to, to incredible levels. And when you do have a, a malfunction with the uh, with the with the cool boxes that uh, that usually flow cool air to the helmet, where the driver has cool air to breathe and circulate around his head that can create create some 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 problems for these cars because they are closed up more now than they've ever been and also talking about hendrick motorsports three of their teams missed qualifying altogether one of them chase Elliott, he wrecked in uh, this in practice of about an hour or two before qualifying so i can see why his team wasn't ready but there were a total of nine teams that uh, misqualified either because they were not able to go through tech because of repairs or they kept failing tech and were not able to pass before the end of the first round. Kyle Larson was one. Uh, Chris Buescher was one. You had Kyle Busch, who was making repairs. Eric Jones, who was making repairs. Junior didn't even get out to qualify. It didn't hurt those cars that started in the back because those guys made their way to the front and were able to to, to uh, get good finishes out of it. I think Larson finished second, and what was that? That's probably his fifth second-place finish so far this year. Am I correct there? I think that's right. I, I think that's right, and going with consistency, at least uh, not going too far into the Xfinity Series yet, but Darrell Wallace Jr. for the like fifth or sixth week in a row finished sixth. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was it was a good weekend, and, you know. And and guys did have a little bit a little bit of trouble, like we talked about in uh, in the first practice. We we saw several crashes. We saw Eric Jones take a take a hard hit. Uh, Kyle Busch uh, got out of the groove, spun. He uh, damaged his car, and at first they were going to go to a backup, and then decided against it and decided to, to repair their primary car. And then, like you alluded to, Seth. Um, uh, Chase Elliott went for a wild ride down the backstretch and destroyed a car, and he had to go to to a backup as well. But you know, early on it was like ice out there. I think uh, uh, Jamie McMurray was the first car to take to take to the track uh, when practice opened, and he came back and said it was just almost like driving on ice. But uh, once they got uh, got some rubber down and got it worked in, uh, I think it worked out right. And I think we saw a, uh, a pretty entertaining race on, uh, on Sunday. I think between the time McMurray went out in the first practice at the very beginning to the time the practice ended, I want to say they picked up between 20 and 25 miles per hour a lap. Yeah, they did because they, they, they were way off in speed. They were kind of tiptoeing around there to kind of get – to kind of get their 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 feel of the track and put some rubber down where they had a little bit more grip and find find a place on the track where they could run. So obviously, yeah, the the the, time, the speeds uh, increased dramatically from from the start uh, to the finish. And then they, they had guys they weren't running. You know, uh, obviously, we didn't think they would they would flirt with the uh, with the track record. But there were guys running 193, 194 miles an hour by the end of practice and, and through qualifying. So that uh, I think that as they went, they gained a little bit more confidence uh, in the tires and in the track. So now, now since we're talking about the re uh, 
repaved uh, Texas. Now, Joe, you were there today for the IndyCars. What was the what was the feel um, from the IndyCar guys with the new surface? I mean, a lot of them expected it to be a little bit grippier. Um, and, and, you know, Ed Carpenter was there for media day, and we took pace car rides out there together. And uh, he, he went over the driving line and kind of what he expected. And then uh, I talked to him today, and he just said, you know, I, I can't if it's dirty or if it's just because of the, the Goodyear rubber that the cup guys laid down. But it, it's not quite as grippy as what he was hoping. And that was from the morning session. In the afternoon session, we saw some group um, mock runs together and um you know, luckily no incidents i mean that's always one of my biggest fears when we run into test sessions because they were they were testing a lot of different uh, aero compounds to, to mix together to try to see what's best for the drivers and the fans to not only put on a good show and a good race but to also do it safely and um so the overall consensus was ultimately that it was still pretty slick and um but as time wears on and as they continue to do things, there's a lot of positive feedback that there's going to be more grooves opening up for the IndyCar series. Um, so it, I, everything that was that was happening today, drivers are running really close together. There was a second lane that developed in the afternoon that you could go up to and, and make strong passes on the low lane. So, But, you know, those things are a little hard to navigate because everybody's on a different program. But uh, everybody that I talk to is really, really happy uh, about – about getting a chance to run there in June. It's a little different uh, because you've got to go so much lower on the track now that whenever you get through the dog leg entering to, to get ready to enter turn one, you're so used to setting your, your wheel to maybe 11 o'clock, and now you're dipping down into 9 o'clock. Uh, so it's a little bit of an adjustment for a lot of guys. Um, but overall, everybody's everybody really took to it. I was going to ask you if they if they thought the uh, – because cause quite a bit of rubber – was put down this weekend with all the with all the miles that were turned. I mean, there was over in practice with so much, uh, so many cars out there and making so many laps in practice. There was like uh, bef- before qualifying, there was almost two thousand laps turned. Uh, at, you know, in the stock cars, and then obviously you go on for the for the race, and then and then the uh, the Xfinity race. And we, I was, I was going to wonder what kind of uh, feeling they would have with all that Goodyear rubber down on the track, but. That leads me to my next question: uh, Is the is the IndyCar race a standalone event, or will they be running with the uh, with the cra- with the Camping World Truck Series? Yeah, the Truck Series should be there that Friday night, and then uh, the uh, and that's usually been the case that they've always had to follow it up with Goodyear Rubber uh, with with their race, uh, which is Firestone Rubber and different compounds mesh differently. But um, I think one important thing to note: not that it'll probably matter because it's Lord knows it's probably going to rain between now and then in June, but um, there's going to be a tire test tomorrow, a private tire test, so guys like me aren't invited to that. Um, but I, I think that I'm going to be very interested to see what kind of feedback comes out of that, and then maybe if we're looking at a different right-side tire compound. I, I would expect the lefts to be something similar to, uh, to what we've had in years past, but I'm very interested to see. I mean... Make no mistake, uh, some of the drivers, I was asking them if it's similar to Fontana, uh, and they said, not really, because it's such a wide uh, a wide line across that you can pick a lane, and this one, it's more centered up. And um, so when you're looking at this, the overall impression I get that we might be in store for something kind of similar to an IndyCar version of Darlington. Uh, you know, two opposite ends of the spectrum are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, Comprom- compromise. Yeah, uh, it ter- turns one and two for the for the fans that don't know or the listeners. Uh, turns one and two have gone from 24 degrees of banking down to 20, and turns one and two have also been widened from 60 feet to 80 feet. 
and the back end of the track has been left alone at, at 24 degrees banking, 60 feet wide. So it's a very, very different variance from one to the other. And even though you don't think four degrees makes makes a big impact, it makes a huge impact whenever you consider the downforce levels that are being had on these cars. So it, it, I think what's um, what's going to be very interesting to see as as we get on is is you know the tire compound that gets selected is it going to have high degradation? Um, are, are we going to be looking at a situation that we have a tire that's really really good? Or are we going to look at and then falls off like a cliff? Or is it going to be like what we've had over the last few years where we see a nice gradual fall off and it really puts the race into the driver's hands to where they have to learn how to, how to float the car into the corner a little bit? This, this race has taken on a different animal than what we had in the early 2000s where it was more or less similar to a pack almost in the IR days. And it, it's really – a lot of the drivers really love the fact that it's in their hands. They can control how much tire degradation they want to use up because of how aggressive they charge in the corners or they can back it off and kind of save a little bit of that tire for the end of the run if they're going for longer runs. So we, we're coming off of the closest finish in TMS history, you know, 0.008, Graham Ray Hall over James Hinchcliffe. And um, ironically, last week's winner at the Grand Prix Long Beach, I know we'll get into that. But um, I, I think that, that that end of the spectrum really fascinates me. Uh, I know er- everything about this is, is unique, but um, I'll tell you right now, we had weather here Tuesday. We had weather here Monday when I flew back from Long Beach, and the track didn't look like it was holding any bit of it. Uh, I've, I remember going to media day, and Jay Fry said, you know, it rained, and within 30 minutes, we didn't have anything out on the track. Within 30 minutes, the whole place was dry. So the lateral lines, the drainage system that's been put in is second to none. I think we could be seeing something similar added to tracks that have similar problems. And maybe even new ones that, that encounter repays, like places like Atlanta, if we ever get to that, that point. Uh, I know we've talked about Atlanta being repaved, and it hadn't happened yet because it's delay after delay. But when that day comes, I could very much see a situation like that being being played into effect with other SMI tracks, if not all tracks. Yeah, it's, yeah. Def- it's definitely the wave. I mean, they, they did the same thing in uh, Kentucky last year. They put the drainage yeah. system on it, and they had the same... Result: They had heavy rain on on Thursday, and they were able to dry the the track in, you know, you know, twenty five percent of the time that it took them in the uh, in prior years. So, uh, you know, good on Texas, good on Kentucky, and more tracks should look at that. Yeah, and I think that's like I said, that's great. Texas has always had a problem, had an issue with weepers from its from the first day, uh, first race ever. They've had issues. So, I, so hat, so hats off to those guys for for coming up with an engineering solution that uh, looks like it's, it's going to be successful. I will add this just, just before we move on to IndyCar real quick is, you know, a lot of the concern that I had personally was I know that turn two has always been the trouble spot as, as Gray alluded to with the weepers, but more so than that, we've always had a little bit of a dip or a little bit of a, a yeah. hump, if you will, a bump. Very, just, very bumpy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, talking to a lot of the drivers today, some as you know, noted how, how just how crazy smooth, the track is all the way around. In his words, the tarmac was very smooth, and uh, so I, I think <laughs> that was good. But um, I, you know, it, overall, the fact that that smooth that place is as smooth as as glass, uh, and I, I love that blend with the irrigation system and everything else. I think we're in store for something really special when those guys return in June. Well, the tire test is going to be pivotal tomorrow, and that'll probably you know whatever that they learn tomorrow will go a long way into 
what kind of race we're going to see when they go back to June. But that everything sounds to be like if the guys like it and then the, and the first impressions of it are good. Hopefully, we'll see a terrific race when they go there in June. Yeah, and, and we're used to we're used to seeing a terrific race in Texas, that's for sure. So I'm excited. Some of the most exciting races we've seen. But speaking of exciting races and exciting places. The Long Beach Grand Prix was this past weekend, the 43rd edition of the race through the streets of Long Beach. Uh, James Hinchcliffe was our winner. Uh, We're two races into the season, two races won by the so-called smaller teams. Um, Hinchcliffe could have won in St. Pete, uh, were not for um, being shuffled back in the pit order. Did win in Long Beach. Um, Bourdais won at St. Pete finished second at Long Beach. Uh, these are two of the smaller teams. Uh, the last time that a team that was not um, owned by Michael Andretti, Roger Penske, or Chip Ganassi won a championship uh, in the IRL was in 2002, and that was incidentally the same year those teams joined the league. So could this be the year that a small team contends and takes the title? Joey? Yes. Um, I, I mean, put it very very bluntly yes absolutely i mean indycar racing is the closest most competitive racing in the world right now and i i know i keep saying that and reiterating and trying to hit it home but the fact of the matter is when you have uh you know levels of racing that are just so microscopic as far as top to bottom it's easy to see little guys succeed and we've alluded to it in in the past shows about the, the amount of budget it costs to do these races uh, to run a full season for some of these teams and it's it's very comparable um to each other let alone uh, you compare it to stuff that nascar and f1 is and it's it's on the cheap end and uh, we're getting really good racing and uh, to me before how do i how do i even want to phrase this here because i'm i'm getting all excited um sebastian bourdais returning to dale coin racing I hung out with that group a little bit on thursday whenever i got there that is the most dynamic camaraderie that you will ever see on the grid the most tight-knit team i may have ever seen um and it and they're the old most of that team is the newman haas group uh there's a lot of the dale coin racing people sprinkled in but let's uh, talking to dale coin i asked him i said you know borde's got a win and a runner-up ed jones the rookie's got a 10th and now sixth i mean what's to say about your program and he goes maybe that we're not a fluke and i think that they've hit on something and they're very very strong and you know, Bourdais, we all know he might have some issues on ovals uh, just because that's not his bread and butter. But I tell you what, you build up enough points on the on the road courses and the street courses, it isn't going to matter what the hell anybody else does. And, um, you know, double points are at Sonoma. That's a road course. Um, so I think that's fascinating. But the other end of this, um, yes, Andretti Autosport's very, been the way they've performed in terms of, of speed has been impressive. We know that they all had a lackluster Long Beach. All four cars went out with various issues, uh, whether that be a sensor issue, engine issue, you know, from Furco from the get-go. Hunter Ray and Alex Rossi were in the top three. Looked like guys that could really win this race. And, um, you know, I, I think that that was a huge blow to, to somebody like Rossi, who I, I honestly, I picked him to win. And I honestly thought he was going to get him one. And um, yeah, Rossi, pick to, Rossi felt like he had the car to win. Yeah, and and to me, he's the most. He was one of the most improved drivers that I'm looking for for this year to really challenge for a title. But if I'm looking at everything, the guy that won the race, James Cliff, has been the most impressive driver 
that that has happened to to step foot in a cockpit for IndyCar over the last year, in my opinion. I, I look at what he's come back from, and you know, as they say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and that's pretty literal with with Hinch. Uh, we saw him capture the pole at Indy uh, for the 500 last year. We've seen him hit podiums and perform really well. But now we're seeing this pace, and he looks like he is just absolutely on a rail on a whole nother level. His pace is there, but he's still just this this very uh, approachable, affable Canadian um, that you can't help but like and, and root for. And he goes out there and then wins himself the Grand Prix of Long Beach. And more importantly, ties Greg Moore, the late Greg Moore, his hero, um, for, for what, second on the all-time list for Canadians behind Paul Tracy, who's up in the 30s. But um, it's, so it's a huge win in a number of ways. And you could sit there and make a real case that Hinchcliffe has the ability, not just now that he's found the pace on ovals at places like Indy, as we saw with what he did in qualifying last year and how he performed in the race. He's a complete driver now. There's no more waiting for James Hinchcliffe to arrive. He has arrived, and I think he is very much a threat for this championship. I, I agree. Now, Christopher DeHarty, you want to jump in on this conversation? Yes. Uh, first of all, about Dale Coyne, they've had a history of doing more with less. Um, they actually got a couple of awards back in cart for doing the most with the least amount of uh, material. Uh, by material, I mean dollars, of course. They they've they know what they're doing. Uh, I mean, they're one of only four teams now that are still in IndyCar racing that were racing 30 years ago. Um as for the rest of the field, um, Penske had Joseph Newgarden be their best guy at Long Beach. I wasn't necessarily expecting that. But then again, Newgarden has done well at Long Beach before um, qualifying on the outside of the front row in 2012 um, on, his, I think, his second street race ever in IndyCar. Then um, we look at the fact that all four injury cars had issues. That was really mind-boggling to me that they finished 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th. And then, of course, at the front of the race, we had um, Charlie Kimball and Will Power get into it in turn number four, which Joey and I have differing opinions on. But, of course, that's all a, a fun little topic for later on. Um, the other thing that oh, I should – Oh, we, we don't have – we can talk about Charlie Kimball. All right. <laughs> we can talk about Charlie Kimball if you want because I'll tell you what. This is this is two races this year, uh, two, uh, two first lap incidents. And how many, how many wrecks was Charlie in last year? We talked about this last year, and I'll tell you – I love Charlie Kimball. Charlie Kimball is a friend of mine. He's a friend of our show. He's been on the show. But I don't know where Charlie has gotten this aggression uh, uh, that he's uh, he just seems to be every week um, in the middle of a run-in. The problem that I have with this is everybody's seen – a lot of people that I have, have spoken with have pinned the blame on Charlie for this. But we have to remember it is the responsibility of the overtaking driver to – make a safe pass but and the first lap of the race that was not a good move by will if you want to if will wanted to make a move like that he should have that's that's the kind of move you would make with three or four laps to go in a race on the first lap you still have what 84 laps after that one to make a move i mean frankly in my opinion, it was just way too early at that point i actually paused the screenshot of the uh tv at the moment of impact, and you could see the power was just right in front of uh, his Charlie Kimball's rear wheel. Uh, of course, then again, Charlie's been involved in incidents before in the first lap, which works against him. But, I mean, then again, that's just the way I think of it. I, I look Char- at- Charlie and Will had a run-in last year. Was it at the Glen? Yeah, it was at the Glen. Was at the Glen that, that more or less cost um, 
power a, a, a better shot at Pagano. So, but go ahead, Joe. I hear you want to jump in. I mean, before I get to my view on it, uh, if y'all didn't get a chance to read it, Will Power had some very interesting quotes on AutoWeek.com about his thoughts about how Charlie Race is essentially paraphrasing, saying that he cost him the champion uh, a chance at a championship last year, and uh, now he's doing it again, and that he's essentially the most dangerous man out there to race with. So, I it's pretty pretty massive words uh to, to, for anybody to to put on somebody else um whether i agree disagree doesn't matter uh, the fact that the competitors out there uh are, are gonna say those kind of things i think is is pretty you know that's that's something very unique um that you don't want to have pinned on you if you're somebody like charlie kimball but um you know all things considered i Part of me would like to sit there and say that that we're looking at this and we're kind of scapegoating Charlie because of the past history. And and I think there's a degree of that that's true. At the same time, and this is where I come into my opinion on this, there was – Elio Keshnevis had a boost issue. Pole sitter had the boost issue. And we saw him lag at the start. And we saw Kimball get – I don't know if there was contact, but he got really up on Kanan. Looked like they made a little bit of contact, and then he and then he he essentially had to break to prevent a huge crash on lap one. And so Power, who started behind him, comes up through the field, and they get ready to enter turn one uh, towards that fountain and, and area. And Power had uh, the nose ahead, and he had the inside line going through that that fountain. And then you know what you have inside going into that, you have outside going into the other, and then inside or around what turn four, I think it was. So, um, I look. You could peg it power with this issue if you're looking at where power was whenever they made contact for the final corner. But I think in retrospect, if you're in a situation and a guy ahead of you has to let out of the gas because of a boost problem to a guy ahead of him, and you're completely out of the throttle, you shouldn't be trying to challenge for position if a guy has the lane on the inside and entering turn one and trying to really push past coming on the outside of that corner. I think you just... You let him by and you fall in line. There was a small gap there. I think Charlie could have got him behind, and you, you live to fight another lap. Um, should Will have contested it entering turn three? Yeah, maybe not, but Will had the nose ahead entering the fountain, and, and if Charlie doesn't charge back, then that's not a discussion. So um, both people could be wrong in that instance, So, um, but that's kind of where I side on on my overall viewpoint, I, I think that maybe we're giving Charlie a slight bad rap on, on things, um, but past history kind of gives a lot of people no choice. Yeah, well put, sir. Um, now, now, Chris, back to you uh, and your comments about Long Beach beyond Charlie Kimball. Um, you know, what else would you like to add? Well, first of all, it was kind of an interesting weekend all around uh, because during the Pirelli World Challenge race, a water main broke on the backstretch, causing the back straightaway to be flooded, at least in a good portion of it. Um, you know why and, it broke? Uh, I think someone hit a fire hydrant outside the track, right? Yeah, and then apparently they ran from the cops, according to Ryan Eversley's uh, Twitter. That was fascinating. and uh, Things you can only see in weird, unique street circuit events. So, um <laughs> That's funny. But luckily, luckily that didn't happen in the, the IndyCar race. But wait, there's more. Oh, because God. in the IMSA WeatherTech race, 
there was an incident on the last lap of the race when a Lex, one of the Lexus GTD cars, I think, made a three-wide pass down the inside of another uh, car. And the GT Le Mans battle, which is the number three Corvette, the number four Corvette, and I think it was a Ford GT, the number three Corvette stopped, and the number four went around him under Wade Ellis and ended up winning the race. Which, to me, when you're underneath Wade Yellows, it's just an odd finish um, to have Wade Yellows in the last corner and the lead change underneath that situation. A lot of controversy that weekend. It was overall an interesting weekend from top to bottom, really. Yeah, I mean, Long Beach has a schedule packed with racing, uh, you know. Um, everything from stadium super trucks to IMSA to, to WeatherTech, but uh, uh, you know, and, and who was it that wrote the article? Chris, was that your article um, that, that we need Indy Lights to return to the beach? Yes, that was mine. Uh, I did a little bit of uh, research on you know Long Beach and its history with IndyCar, and there was a period of I think six years from '83 through '88 that they didn't have any open wheel series there as a support race, but from 89 on through 2015, Indy Lights or Toyota Atlantics or both, in some cases, actually ran at Long Beach. 2016 was the first year they didn't have that. And quite frankly, I think it's wrong that there's no marquee street race on the Indy Lights calendar. I mean, you have St. Petersburg, you have Toronto, but Long Beach in and of itself is so so much of a landmark event that it frankly deserves a spot on the Indy Lights calendar. And, I mean, I don't know if it was an issue of they couldn't fit it on the schedule, which I find to be crazy. It, it, I think it had to do with the sanctioning fee, man. Uh, I, there's, there's a lot going in, into that, and I think a lot of that had to do with the sanctioning fee. But, uh, you know, a lot of... A lot of the owners, uh, there were some owners that were there. Uh, you know, um, George Michael the Steinbrenner the Fourth, uh, who co-owns the Andretti Steinbrenner Racing entry uh, for Colton Herta. One of the things that I talked to him about, I said, you know, what are your thoughts about not having Long Beach here uh, on the Indy Lights circuit? And he goes, I wish we did. It's a great venue, and we can market, uh, we can market easier because I mean, it is the second biggest event in Indy 500 on the calendar, and. This is my first time getting a chance to cover it, and um, I can tell you that I was blown away by just the overall atmosphere was phenomenal. And uh, that's we could get into a whole show about everything that I thought of that that race weekend. Uh, I'll be doing many more in the future. I can tell you that. But getting back into this is, um, I think that we do need it back on the calendar, and I think that that's something we're going to see visited. But I think. For the time being, with everything that's going on, we have a pretty nice plethora of races for Indy Lights this year. I think there's like, what, 16 or something like that? So um, it's not a bad, bad mix of, of races for them. And you got to also think that it's not just the sanctioning fee that Long Beach has to pay to Anderson Promotions. It's also the amount of money to get teams to come from Jupiter, Florida, or wherever, all the way across to California. So, um Anyway, that that's kind of my my forethought on that. I, I think we could see it return, but I think it, you know, I don't know if it's going to be next year. Yeah, it may not be, but either way, um, you know, another just great Long Beach weekend. Great stories coming out of the Joey. Um, just absolutely jealous of you that you got to go and spend your weekend there. But but at the same time, I'm very happy for you that you got to go um, and experience that. And 
and Joey has written a couple of really good articles, and you'll find those on motorsportstribune.com. You'll also find them on our Drafting the Circuits Facebook page. Uh, so, so take a look at those. A lot of really good stories coming out of Long Beach weekend. So, But, guys, we are coming up against the clock here. We're just a little bit over time. We've got a little freedom to go over a little bit. But uh, like, I, like I like to say, it's time for our green-white checker. Um, uh, go over some final thoughts. So let's talk about next weekend. Next weekend, Easter Sunday, um, the the uh, North American series are not running. Formula One will be in uh, Bahrain. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. So Formula One will be in Bahrain. Um, under and, the lights. Under the lights. Under the lights. And uh, Seth Seth has reminded me uh, Easter Sunday, but Passover for some. Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm not, yeah, like, not, like being, myself. In, not being inclusive, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, the uh, be, be an off weekend for both IndyCars, and IndyCars will return April 23rd at Phoenix under the lights. Barber. And then, and then I'm sorry, Barber. Not under the lights. Not under the lights. Well, April 23rd at Phoenix, and then Barber is, what's that going to be, the... No, no, no. Barber's April 23rd, and then Phoenix is April 29th. Okay, all right. Barber, <laughs> not under the lights. Uh, you know, because I, I keep getting... Frank, this. have you been drinking today? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> but not all Green day. Greenway Checker, he found the wall, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, you know, that's the fu- I, I keep getting the sponsor. <laughs> I keep Tim. getting the sponsored yeah, post on my social media. Phoenix that's under right. the lights. I keep getting that sponsored post. So I guess uh, I just assumed it was this come. But you're, but you're right, Barber. Uh, and if you want to see something really funny, um, there's a video out there. Uh, Simon Pagano learns to speak Southern, um, and it's it's done as a promo video for the Grand Prix of Alabama. Um, it's 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 on our Drafted Circus Facebook page. Check it out. It's very very funny to watch. So, and guys, where are we next in NASCAR? We get the week off and go to Bristol. Under the lights or not? No, spring <laughs> race is good. Be daytime race, and then we At go least, to. Unless it rains. Yeah. Unless it rains. Unless it rains. Unless it rains. And, yeah. and they did treat the track with that VHT again. We'll see what happens there. That'd be that should be fun. Concrete surface. So we'll see what happens at that. that uh, We'll see what kind of that works in a second groove, and we see a little bit of racing there. But we'll discuss that next. We'll discuss that on next week's show. Right, we've got all the next week's show to discuss. So I'm going to go around the table for final thoughts. Gray, I'm going to start with you. Uh, good weekend of racing. Good weekend of sports TV. I was juggling TVs all on uh, on on Sunday, watching uh, watching uh, NASCAR and the and IndyCar and then the Masters Golf Tournament. So. Uh, Good weekend there, and and tried to stay up and watch watch the F one race, and got to, fell asleep through bits and pieces. Of course, that was a uh, uh, that was Lewis Hamilton leading that pretty much from start, winning the pole, leading it from start to finish. But again, I was encouraged by uh, Ferrari. Ferrari was able to keep it somewhat close. Uh, Vettel finished about six seconds uh, back, so uh, I'm still uh, hoping that we're going to see a, a highly competitive. Uh, uh, year in Formula One. We'll know a little bit more after uh, after this weekend show. All right, and Christopher DeHardy, I'm going to let you have your final thought next. Every year I look forward to the Indianapolis 500 as my marquee uh, month of the year, the month of May. And this year I was looking forward to it until 
I saw the Alonzo information, then I was really, really looking forward to it because that threw an entire wrench into what I'm gonna what my plans were hoping to be for the month of May. Now I don't know what I'm gonna do. Um I can't wait to see how much fun Alonzo has over here. I wonder if he's gonna have a good time with how open the paddock is compared to what it is in Formula One. And quite frankly, I can't wait to get a chance to speak with him. Yeah, me me too. Um Seth, you're up next, sir. Uh, it appears Travis Pastrana will make a rare NASCAR appearance later this year at Las Vegas in the Truck Series. Interesting, interesting. Travis Pastrano, big motorcycle guy, right? Yes, and it'll be his first start since 2015. He's run, he's run a couple of um, what, Xfinity or the Bush races, right? Yeah, he, he, was ran, a rap, yeah. he was a Roush he, driver. For, full, for one full season. And he had a crazy paint scheme. Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's what I remember Travis best for. So, And, uh, Joey Barnes, you have been so busy this past week going from uh, from your home in Texas to the West Coast, uh, back to your home in Texas to watch some cars some more. Um, what are your final thoughts for the evening, sir? Um, surprisingly, an F1 thought. Um, you know, we saw Vettel win week one in Australia. Hamilton counters that week two. We got tied points going into Bahrain. Kimi Raikkonen's on the hot seat at Ferrari, but he goes into a place that he's been very hot uh, the last couple of years and, and really came really close to winning um, a couple of years back. So, you know, that's fascinating to me. But um, like everybody else, really still because of uh, Alonzo going over to Indy. And I think that that's going to be really fascinating. And just to put a little plug in here, uh, if you want to read any of the latest on this stuff going on and Alonzo and the other world of IndyCar, you can go to IndyCar.com to see all of my latest or if you can check out Krista Hardy and my stuff for the IndyCar side of it at MotorsportsTribune.com as well as Seth Eggert's stuff on the NASCAR side of it. So um, a lot of fun, really stoked. And, um, yeah, man, I'm ready to go. I'll be up all night writing for sure. All right. Well, thank you, Joey. Thank you, guys. Uh, my final thought is it's like, you know, just when you think you've seen everything, wow. You know what I mean? This this Alonzo thing for me, just out of the blue. I would not expect it to have seen that today or next year or or, or in years future till Alonzo's retired. A uh, active Formula 1 driver skipping Monaco, coming to Indianapolis, and not just any Formula 1 driver, but a two-time champion. God, guys, I can't wait till the month of May. So it's, uh, But that is my final thought. We will be with you again in one week's time. I want to thank uh, Gray, Joey, Chris, Seth. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network again. You have been listening to Drafting the Circuits, everybody, and good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.